It is wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for coming this morning. It is great to see you all. I just want to start with, a, I was away at a conference, a, a training conference this last week, and there was a real sense of just God there. I can't really fully explain it. And I'm just being blown away. And we're talking about Hosea today, so we'll, we'll, we will get there. But I've just been blown away a little bit about how, how God, the creator of the whole universe, is mindful of us. It says in the Psalms, he discerns our thoughts from afar. He thinks about you. He created the whole world and he cares about you. Wanting a relationship with you, wanting to uh, encounter you this Sunday. And we've had a, a moment this, this morning where through worship, through, through Steve coming up and sharing a little bit about his testimony and what's going on in his life. We've had a, an ability to try and encounter God. And I believe that right now as well, we have an opportunity to still encounter God. And that might sound a bit scary and it might sound a bit weird. What does it mean to encounter God? But I just feel like, I just know that the creator of the universe is desiring relationship with us. And so the question for you this morning is, how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to say, do you know what, God, I, I want to hear from you today. I want to hear something from you today. Or are, are you not? Are you going to go out the same? Or do you want to go out changed? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a moment of just prayer, just that God would, would do something with us right now. And we're going to open our hands up. I want to invite you to open your hands up just like this. And what we're doing is a, it's just a physical act that spiritual follows the physical. And, and so what we're doing is a very simple thing, like you're receiving a gift. You're receiving a gift from God. And all we're doing is saying, God, I'm open to you right now. What you might be saying to me, what you might be doing within me. If you want to come and touch my life, then... I welcome you into it. I'm showing you that I am open to hear from you. This is all a bit weird, but God, I'm here. And I know you desire a relationship with us. So Father, would you come? Would you come and meet us? Would you come and speak to us? Would you come and do something new and afresh within our lives? Would you come and fill us once more? May we leave today changed because of what you have spoken to us, because of what you have said to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we're talking about Jose. Most importantly, we're talking about the, the God of the unfaithful. The God of the unfaithful. We'll continue this series of the God of, looking into the minor prophets. And we're talking about the God who is God still, even though we are unfaithful. You know, God is not reliant on how you're feeling this morning. He is still God. He is not reliant on what you have done, what you have said. Whether you ever worship him or not, he will still remain God. He is God. He's still in control. He is still all-powerful. He is still worthy of all worship and praise. I've grown up in church all my life. And I've uh, come into church multiple times where I've sat down in the chair and I've just felt like the weight of my sin, like the guilt of it all. And you just sat there thinking, I just feel hypocritical to come and worship God right now. Like, I just feel like, like I, I'm not, I, I shouldn't be doing it because of, you know, what I've said or what I've done, what I've seen or what I've heard, like whatever it might be. Like, I just have come into church before and I've sat there and just thought, wow, like I, I shouldn't be worshiping God. Like... If there is this God, if this God is there, I should never be worshipping him because I, what I've done is too much for all that. But regardless of what I have done, he is still God. 
And so he is still worthy of my worship, whether I feel like worshiping him or not, whether I feel like him speaking to me or not, whether I feel holy enough or not, he is still worthy of all my worship. God is not reliant on you to be God. So I've got a very, I've got a question to start us off today. It's a very easy question. It's a very simple question. Are you a sinner? Very nice and light. We're going to start off very light today. Don't worry. We're going to go around the room and you go, everyone's going to have to confess. No, I'm joking. That's not going to, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Are you a sinner? Have you ever sinned before in your life? That's a good question. I, um, I'm really into Formula One. Uh, it's a recent thing. Um, lots of people don't get Formula One, but I'm really into it at the moment. The last three years really sort of got into, involved and there was a, an interview with one of the drivers, a guy called George, uh, George Russell last week and he was on a lie detector test and so they were asking him questions like, you know, are you faster than your teammate, are you whatever and they asked a question, he's on a lie detector uh, test live to all of Britain and well the rest of the world actually and they asked him, have you ever broke the law, have you ever broken the law before and his response was, well, what do you mean, break the law? What, what, what do you mean by that when you, when you ask that question? They said, well, have you, have, you, have you ever broken the law before? Like, you know, it's a quite simple, you know, oh, I don't know what that means. They said, well, I have, you know, I've sped a couple of times and I've been pulled over for it. And so he said, yeah, so if, if that counts. And they cut back afterwards to, to the presenters watching it and they were like, how did he not know that speeding was breaking the law? Like, it's quite clearly breaking the law. How did they not know? And that kind of is like sin. It's like, well, is it really, have I really sinned here? Like, is that actually sin? So I, I thought I'd break it down for you really quickly. Sin is, is simply disobedience from God. It's doing things that don't honor God. In 1 John 3 verse 4, sin is described as transgression of the law of God. Um, sin is basically, if God has said to something or told us to do something, we either don't do it or we do something completely different. It's sin is not living in obedience with God. There's a guy called, um, I think his name's Ray Comfort, and I've only seen a couple of his YouTube videos, but he, he goes over to America and he talks to people who aren't Christian, and he just like asks them five questions. It'll basically, have you ever stolen something? You ever looked at someone with lust? Have you ever wanted something that wasn't yours? And he just gets them driving down this, this, this rabbit hole where they come and he goes, well, actually, you're quite a, quite a bad person then, aren't you, really? And you've come into church, as I said earlier, and I've done it multiple times, and maybe you've come in and you've thought, or you're listening to this somewhere else, and you're thinking, oh my word, why have I come today? <laughs> this is not the Sunday. Like, I feel bad enough as it is, and now I feel even worse. <laughs> like, this is, oh my word. But I'm saying this so that you know you're in good company. I'm saying this so that you know that you aren't alone. You see, we talk about the gospel message and somebody might be here saying, yeah, but Ben, what about John 3.16? We will get there. But before we get there, we need to take a few steps back. See, I think the gospel message starts like this. If we get the first one up there. Yeah. 
There we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think the gospel message starts with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Why? How does the gospel message start with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? Well, we need to understand that God is creator and therefore can tell us what to do. We need to understand that God is creator. He created all things. He knows how things flourish and he knows how things can lead to death. He can dictate the rules, not because he is in this weird dictatorship where we have to obey and follow, but because he knows what brings life and what ultimately leads to death. Because he created it, he makes the rules. Then the gospel message, I think, is a little bit further on, only 30 verses later, it says this, God saw all that he had made, I've added the man included bit, man included, and it was very good. You see, so when God created everything, he created everything good. There was no poverty. There was no war. There was no pain. There was no frustration. When God created everything, it was good. So why do we follow God? Well, we follow God because he created, but not only did he create, he created good. But point three happens. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The gospel message starts with the fact that God is creator and can make the rules, created everything good, but then recognizes that we are all sinners. We're all actually just unfaithful people. That God has created things well, given us rules to follow, but we are all sinful. And that's why we see poverty and world hunger, inequality and wars. That's why we see the brokenness within this world. A lot of people say, well, why is there suffering in the world, Ben? Come on, give me a good apologetical argument. Why is there suffering in the world? There's suffering in the world because we are sinful. We have decided to not follow the law of God. And that's what leads us to this, next, to this book, Hosea. So Hosea, a little bit about Hosea, he lives in this place called a, um, you can go to the next slide, thanks Ben. Uh, he, he, he lives in a place called the Northern Kingdom, so he, he lives in Israel. Um, he lives at the top of the map, and he lives under this guy called King Jeroboam II. Now King Jeroboam II is like the, one of the worst kings that Israel have seen. He's, he's terrible. He's a really bad king. Um, and they've started, so the people of Israel who, who, who were after God, so they, they've, they've come through the Exodus, they've gone through Egypt, they've devoted themselves to God. And Moses has given them a new covenant. God's given them a new covenant through Moses that they will follow him and they start to flourish in this new land of the promised land. They enter the promised land. And then all of a sudden they start to turn away from God and start to worship other people. And under King uh, Jeroboam II is when that starts to happen. It started to happen before, but he's a really bad king, and he, he, he it thrives under him. And so what we need to know is Hosea, he lives in the north, this northern kingdom, so he, he's prophesying to the north. He's, he's under this really bad king, and he's a prophet. What does that mean? Well, it means that he is hearing from God and speaking on God's behalf to the people. And Hosea's got a very, very incredible story. We're going to turn to Hosea. If if you've got Bibles and you want to turn to it, it's after Daniel. 
And we're just going to pick up a little bit of what goes on. In Hosea's story, what God is doing is he is trying to portray through Hosea's life what is going on with the people of Israel and him. He's relaying it. So as we read this, God is, God is acting. He's, 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 Hosea is representing God. It says this, verse 2, when the Lord spoke, first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of, of, of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put on to the end, uh, an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, and, called, and the Lord said to him, Call her no mercy, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them all but I will have mercy on the house of Judah. That's the southern kingdom. So I'm not going to have mercy on the north where you're from, but I'm going to have mercy on the southern. And I will save them from the Lord, their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by the horsemen. So when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand in the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in that place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God and the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered and they shall appoint for themselves one head and they shall go up from the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. What God is saying is there's, there's a lot going on here, but one day you'll be reunited. Just, just, just wait. And chapter two, it continues. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not your, she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. That she may put her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I have no mercy. For the mother who played the whore, she who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my loaves and give me the bread on my water and wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge up, hedge up her with my thorns and I will build a wall against her and she will not find her path. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them and not find them. Then they shall say, I will go and return to my first husband for he is better than now. We're going to pause it there really quick. What's going on? There's a lot of reading, Ben. You're thinking there's a lot of strong terms being used there. What on earth is happening right now? So basically what's happened is Hosea is married this woman called Gomer. Gomer has decided to be a bit promiscuous and go off and sleep with other people and, and be adulterous. And God is saying to 
to Hosea and saying to the people of Israel, this is the same as what the people, my people, have been doing. The people I created have been doing. This is exactly the same. You see, Hosea, I have called my people. I have, I have ministered to them. I have loved them and given them all that I could. I made a covenant way back when they left and I entered into the, and they entered into the promised land. I gave them a covenant and they've broken that marriage covenant. They've been promiscuous. They've gone off and they've done other things that they shouldn't have done. And they've broken that covenant. Now, when the Israelites would, would have heard this, people would have turned around and said, well, that's it. She should be put to death or divorce. It shouldn't be like this is, this is unacceptable behavior from this woman. And that's why God uses this story, because it was so obvious for the people of Israel at the time that in this account, that she, her actions, the consequences of her actions would be divorce. I mean, it literally says that we would kill her from thirst, that she would be wiped out. And we are Hosea within this story. We are like that with God. We have decided to go our own ways, and as a result, we deserve to die. We deserve excommunication, a broken relationship. God, in all of his creatorship and all of his authority, who doesn't need us, says, I can just break this covenant with you now. But something interesting happens in, cha- in verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. I mean, the, chapter 2 continues with this, this really punishment. And all of a sudden, it says, Therefore, behold, something incredible is about to happen. I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards. And make the valley of anchor a door of hope. And there she shall, an- she shall answer as in the days of her youth, at the time she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. For I will remove the names of Baals on her mouth and they shall be remembered by their, uh, they will not remember their name anymore. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord." And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel. And I will show show for her myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. 
See, all of a sudden, the, 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 flick, the, the switch flicks, and instead of a God who is saying, I should divorce these people, these people should, should be going to death, we should be taking them out into the wilderness, God entices them back into a relationship, calls them back in, and says, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show love and mercy. This is what the consequence is of your actions. So you are being unfaithful, and you don't deserve relationship, but instead I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going to renew a covenant with you. I'm going to bring you back in. I'm going to show mercy. And the people who I've had no mercy for, I'm going to have mercy. The people who aren't my people because they don't follow me will be called my people. I will once more be your God. I love that line of, uh, and in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer my master. God is coming with this, this new covenant all of a sudden. And Hosea is pointing, looking forward to this new covenant. There will be a new covenant where things are slightly different. And in chapter 3 it says, And the Lord said to me, the Lord said to Hosea, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I brought her for 15 shekels of silver and a hummer and a lecher of barley. And I said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without effort or household gods. Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in a fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Hosea is told to go and pay the debts that are owed. Um, they would have had to pay debts. He would have, Gomer's gone off, um, slept around, been adulterous. And uh, to honor the masters that she would have been served, serving, there was a, a debt to be paid on her behalf. And Goma, who's married and divorced, well, not divorced, but deserving of divorce, decides to come in and recommit himself and then pay his debts. The gospel message. We said the first three earlier, the gospel message is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth because, because the gospel message is that God is creator. The second point of the gospel message is that God saw all that he had made, man included, and said it was very good. The third bit of the, the gospel message is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the fourth bit is quite interesting. The fourth bit is 
Yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, just like Gomer in this story deserved to die. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There was a new covenant discussed. And we know that new covenant. We know that new covenant is around this communion table. We know that new covenant is found in the blood of Jesus Christ, where he came and he paid the debts just like Hosea had to do. Paid the debt on our behalf. He came and saved us. And that's where John 3.16 comes in. Because God so loved the world that he, only, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's where John 3.16 comes in. So it says that actually in order to make yourself right, because you have been unfaithful, all you need to do is turn to Jesus. All you need to do in your unfaithfulness now in this new covenant, because God loves you so much, like Hosea to his wife Goma, who has been unfaithful, loves you so much, all you need to do is believe in the name of Jesus. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord and surely you'll be saved. But I also add one more bit onto this gospel message. A lot of people are, are at five. You have given your heart to Jesus. You're going strong. And I add one more extra bit. Having received that, I think the gospel message is a step further. And that's Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because there's two things that we can learn from this passage, the, the, these three chapters in particular, three things that we can, we can understand. The first thing is that we are like Gomer. We're like Gomer because we are unfaithful. I think we can all understand and we can all realize that we are like Gomer. As we said at the very start, we're all unfaithful. We're all sinful. We are all like Gomer. We've run from God. We have sinned. And we're in need of a perfect savior. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We are all like Gomer in need of Hosea to come and find us and meet us again. And because of this new covenant we've, that was being made, we were able to encounter God. But secondly, we are also called to be like Hosea called to be like Hosea. We are called to love the unlovable, reach the unreachable, go and spread the gospel. And that's why I think the gospel message actually has that sixth hidden one, to go out and make disciples of all nations. Because now once we have been saved, we are called to go and make a difference. But I've just got a couple of applications, a couple of responses that you might want to feel like you're, you're somewhere in one of them and you're not really sure where. Maybe the first one is that you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to. You never really feel like you have. You feel like um, Goma. You want to make that commitment with Jesus. Maybe you feel in your heart go in a bit and you're thinking, that's me. Or maybe you have given and committed your life to Jesus, like Gomer had, had married Hosea, but has gone off 
And now you want to make yourself right with that. Maybe that's what you want to do. And what we're going to do together, everybody in this room, if, if it's okay, we're all going to pray a prayer so that if you do want to pray that prayer, you don't feel awkward or anything like that. So we're all going to pray together. You're just going to repeat after me. I'm going to, I'm going to pray it now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. We recognize that we are not. And we ask that you would forgive us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus saved us. We thank you that Jesus is alive. And we pray that he would forgive us our sins. Would we turn to you now? And Holy Spirit, would you come and empower us to live a life for you? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we don't know what our hearts are saying to us sometimes. But you are still worthy of our worship and our praise. And maybe you are like Hosea. Maybe you need some prayers for Hosea. Maybe you need to get up and go and you need the empowerment to go and change the world you need to, the empowerment to be called to go out and that's what you need to respond to or maybe you're like Hosea at the very start and you've heard from God you've, you've felt that commitment from God and then all of a sudden there's just pain I mean it's been pretty painful right your wife has gone off and is doing things you know going around the town and it is not being your wife and that would have been quite difficult for Hosea and maybe there's some situations where you feel God's called you to something or you've made a commitment with someone maybe it's a relationship or a marriage maybe it's maybe it's your family not knowing Jesus and you're like yeah but God I've been praying and praying and praying and praying that you would move and all I see right now is pain that's all I'm feeling that's all I'm sensing like Hosea looking and seeing destruction. I mean, at the end of the day, that's his wife he cared about. And maybe you're somewhere in there and you just need God to take you by the hand and say, I know this is rubbish right now, but read chapter three. Read the chapter three where where it all comes back together, where I make a new covenant, where I make a, a covenant that lasts throughout the ages. A new covenant that over 2,000 years later, we still celebrate. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you feel called out and you need the empowerment. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're seeing rubbish and you're desperate for God to fix it. I just wanna pray for you, so if that is you and you, 
I'm not going to ask you to respond in, in any specific way, but just receive the prayer that I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into a place where you are worthy of all worship, praise, and adoration. Not because of anything we have done, but because of who you are. And Father, would you empower us to go? Would you empower us to reach? Would you empower us to speak to people? Would you stir within us your spirit to, em to empower us to speak your words to the people who need it, to be brave and be bold and to see people's lives changed, to go and reach the unreachables, to go and love the unlovables. But also, God, we recognize there's people here who are broken, whose relationships are broken, marriages are falling apart, people who have come in, Father God, who are hurting. They're in pain. Saying, well, when will this be over, God? When will this happen? When I thought you said to marry Goma. I thought you were in this, and all of a sudden, all I see is pain. All I see is hurt. All I see is frustration. Father God, to the people in that time, would you come and dance with their souls? You know, David says in the Psalms, in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, he says, I would have lost hope if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so, Father God, right now we pray that if there's people in here who feel a bit hopeless, that they would see your goodness, they would experience who you are, they would know who you are afresh right now, that they would leave this place empowered to see the change. Yes, it might, have, it might be a steady, steady change. There might still be pain, but you would empower us with hope that we know we trust a God who fixes and restores. We know we trust a God who brings around chapter three. And so Father God, we thank you.